welcome to Earth Tones, a podcast for creative souls and spiritual entrepreneurs. I am your host, Allison Keslow. We are on a mission to align our lives and careers with the cosmos. This week, I had so much fun interviewing my next guest, drummer, illustrator, animator, producer, audio engineer extraordinaire, and visual storyteller, Chris Georginis. Chris is a fabulous, funky, and natural-born drummer. In fact, he's one of the busiest working drummers around Boston and New England, and can frequently be seen playing with the band The Boston Naturals, as well as many other New England music artists. I first became familiar with Chris when I became a fan of his remote music collaboration videos through social media during the height of COVID last year where many talented area musicians sent him their audio tracks of their music performances through the computer, and Chris, using his many talents, um, assembles them into these beautiful visual and audio music stories. On Chris's website, bostondrummer.com, Instagram, and Facebook, you can find these collaborations, and I'll be sure to have all the info listed in the bio below. In our conversation, we talk about a few of Chris's music video collaborations in particular, One video was a beautiful rendition of the song Ooh Child, made famous in 1970 by the family band The Five Stair Steps. This song and collaboration was just what people needed during COVID, when everyone was stuck at home needing inspiration and hope. In our conversation, we discussed how it it came together and how this video was uploaded on a Sunday evening, and by the next evening, it was on the news. The video can be found on YouTube. It's called Inspirational Video with 17 Musicians from Boston to Italy. It features a group of performances that include musicians, medical professionals, and a postman, also who show their musical skills. It's a beautiful performance, so I highly recommend you checking it out. I have also had the pleasure of playing bass for a few of Chris's collaborations, including Tear the Roof Off by Parliament, recorded with 13 bassists, and an original composition we co-wrote together with Perry Bacalus called Scorpion Bowl. I'll include the links below. In our conversation, we also talk about Chris's impressive career as an animator and the wonderful experiences that led him to illustrate work for Steven Spielberg. Chris Georgenis was destined to be a creative person, and we talk about how it all started in a car ride with his family when he was a child. Chris went to Hartford Art School and shares his drumming and arts background as well as his drum influences and connection to the drum community by also providing many free downloadable tracks to play with. Chris is hugely inspiring as he drives to create and produce content for all to enjoy. Chris says yes to everything, keeps his mind open, and is endlessly excited and dedicated to new technology and storytelling. Here's my conversation with Chris. You're a drummer, an illustrator, an animator, and on your YouTube channel, it says you are a creative director of fun, mayhem, and funky grooves. (laughs) That sounds so you. So how did it all start? How did you get started playing drums? I started, I was probably nine or 10 years old, right? It's just something I've always loved. I don't remember the actual defining moment where I'm like, oh, I need to start playing drums. I always, I'll tell you this. 
I think it started before I even had a drum set, right? Because I'm, you know, I was born 67. So I'm like a 70s, 80s kid. And back then, you know, in cars had radios with antenna, right? So I remember in the backseat of the car where the parents were driving, wherever we were going, there would be music on. It'd always be a radio station, there'd be music on. And I'd be, and I could always tell what the musicians were doing, what the drummers were playing. I could just, I just, for me, it was obvious in my head. I just figured everyone assume, you know, could, could, could understand that. Yeah. Um, But I would play to the beat. And then what would happen is the car would go, you know, through a tunnel and you would lose reception. And all of a sudden the radio, the music you couldn't hear, it would just hear like static. And then you'd come out the other side. So I used to play a little game with myself in the back seat where I would keep the beat going. We'd go under a tunnel and I would try to stay on time. And when we came out the other end, it, when the music came back, if I was still on time or not, and I usually was, and I thought, Oh, that it was just like a little fun thing. And I, I, I did realize at an early age, I was probably seven or eight that uh, I'm, I'm good at keeping time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then my understanding of just what drummers were doing and listening to music and always being interested in it. Um, it's just something that came naturally to me to play drums. So, uh, yeah, I, I took like six lessons, um, maybe like a, yeah, a handful of lessons when I was about 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. And, and the, it was funny because the, Oh, I'm, I'm spacing the, my drum teacher's name, uh, Joe Lopez and, uh, Brook, uh, music maker studios in Brookline. I don't have no idea if it's still there. Um, right. And I loved it. I looked forward to those drum lessons so much, but I only took, like I said, a handful of them. But I remember the very first time he, uh, my very first lesson, he said, the first two years of drumming are going to be shit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why? He says, well, because you're going to have to learn all the rudiments. But But the thing that impressed me the most was that that was the first time an adult swore it to to me in a conversation. Like I felt grown up. I was only 11 years old, but I'm like, wow, he didn't treat me like a kid. He swore in front of me, parent, you know, adults didn't do that. Um, But the funny thing was long story short, he would teach me the rudiments, but I already knew them. Like I was already doing them on my own, like the buzz rolls and the paradiddles. And after like a couple of lessons and he actually didn't, I remember he stopped and he said, are you sure you never took a lesson before? And I'm like, no, this is my first lessons. So it just came naturally to me. But I remember one time he says, I'm going to teach you a beat that um, I don't normally teach students this soon. It's usually, you know, and and I remember the beat. It was boom, ba, ba, boom, boom, ba, boom, ba, ba, boom, boom, ba, boom, boom, ba, ba, boom, boom, ba, boom. And I just played it. And I'm like, I had been playing that at home anyway, but if I heard it, I could play it. And so it was just one of those things where he's like, you're ready for, um, you're ready to play in a band kind of thing. So I don't know. It was just one of those things where it came to, I still wished I continued with lessons and was taught to play even, I don't know, just more opened up my brain more. I, I ended up just playing in bands through high school and college and just jumping into it, you know? And I'm still learning. I'm still learning all these decades later. I'm all, I'm constantly seeing another drummer or whoever uh, play something and I I don't know how to play it. It, you know, it just piques my ear eardrums and I sit down out there. There's so much out there. It's great. So yeah, I'm still learning. 
you're like the perfect pitch of drums, like you're listening to drum drumming and it just feels so natural. You know, I hear piano yeah. players talk, talk like that. I played a gig last night with uh, my friend, Tim Nickerson, uh, who I've been <clears throat> subbing with, <clears throat> pardon me, over the summer. Um, and there's no, I mean, he has a set list, but I, I just show up and I'll play songs that, uh, you know, he'll be like, do you know this song? And I'm like, I have no idea. I just start playing it. But sometimes <laughs> he'll, he'll on his guitar, he'll start to play like the beat. Like it goes like this. And I'll just kick that in. And then I'll, you know, 20 minutes later, we're doing a medley of songs. And um, so for me, those are really fun gigs to so just, you know, no expectations. Sometimes you have three hours notice and you walk in to play uh, with a band you've never even met. And, and you just, you know, you figure it out. Yeah, it's a language and it's it's so fun to do. You know, you jump in there and you keep your ears open and mm -hmm. and probably you listen to a whole variety of music. The more I find, the more music I listen to, the more people I can jam with, you know. Yeah. It used to be like you could divide music kind of by the decades, like the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. And, you know, we're still kind of classifying if we even need to, you know, music today. Uh, but who uh, who are some of your influences or you play everything, but I'm just wondering, like, do yeah, you jazz or uh, I love jazz. I wish I was a better jazz player because um, I totally respect that uh, jazz players. Uh, my, my biggest um, idols growing up were Buddy Rich, Louis Belson, Max Roach, all those guys. Right. Um, Elvin Jones. Um, so that's kind of where I uh, how I started. Uh, and then of course there's John Bonham and then Stuart Copeland comes yeah. around and it's like, nice. wow. And you know, what's amazing to me is that you think, okay, you're borrowing little tidbits from each of these musicians as best you can. And, but you're also trying to find your own voice. Right. And then you think, you know, you're probably onto something. Um, I think I've learned the instrument as much as it could probably ever be learned. And then you, then someone like Jojo Mayer comes by or, or Nate Smith. And you're like, Oh, I don't know anything about the drums. Like, are you kidding me? It, it, which is great. It's it's amazing that all these decades and, and all these drummers that come through and it get there's there's something new. There's always somebody bigger and better or just original. Um, and then it just so Mick was the first person. He was already talking to me about uh, doing right. collaborations and stuff. So he was in, um, and then I don't know somehow it just, it got bigger. I figured we'd have three or four musicians, but then all of a sudden we had more. My wife uh, coaches kids um, for yeah. getting in, into colleges. Okay. So she knew a lot of, of younger people that were musicians as well. And somehow she brought in a couple more. I, I brought in, uh, I asked Serena, she did it. I asked my friend, Sheena Melwani. Uh, she also sang uh, Lydia Harrell, she sang lead actually. So we had, I don't know, it just, everyone said yes to it. Wow. Um, and I try to make it as easy on everyone as possible. I laid the drum track down first, gave everyone the beat per minute. Um, I, I started a Google drive and shared folder and I, um, so people would upload their tracks to the folder. Yeah, exactly. So exciting. You know, to so, like see those tracks coming in and put it. Oh my God. Oh, it, and it was, yeah, it was there were no gigs. The, just the um, just the DAW project, the the actual audio, the, the mixing of the song. I think there was thirty something tracks between all the vocals uh, and all the instruments. Yeah, we had a lot, wow. um, and it was crazy. I, I got the finally got the mix down right, and then then it comes time to do the editing, sync it all up with all the various videos, and we got it done. And 
I think we uh so you did the audio and the video yeah you did it all single-handedly wow yeah. and you also yeah. included some of the medical profession is that right how did that come about just a local doctor here in Wellesley uh a couple actually and she uh I had met her through my wife uh like that week and she we said hey would you sing to would this and and she's like, well, what do I, how do I do this? And I said, well, you'll have to sort of sing to the version of the song we did. And so I, I'm not, I forget now. I, it was very, it was one of those things where I try to explain, maybe like have it playing on your phone, you know, so you kind of get the right groove so I can sync it. Right. I don't know. Somehow we kind of just, it just came together. She actually, I have to credit everyone who was involved because everyone went and did what they say they were going to try to do. And it was successful. So she literally was recording it video wise on her phone. Um, yeah, there was no, it, it was, they didn't have a microphone set up. You know what I mean? They were literally just live in the hospital and singing and wow. capturing it. Um, even the mailman was in it and he, uh, he was actually on key. Um, and my wife ran around and went to the local firehouse and my, uh, who else was in it? I'm trying to think there was just a lot of people now I'd have to see it. I have to watch it again, yeah. but, um, so much goes into it and it's like storytelling it's, yeah it's so cool you know we released it we uploaded it you know youtube and facebook on a sunday afternoon monday night the next day it was on the news and i i remember turning to my wife i'm like if you told me during lockdown and during a, you know a pandemic i have to make the news without leaving my house i'd have no idea how i would be able to pull that off and there we were. We were on the news. It was really funny. That's amazing. I love that. And and it's so comforting to people at home to be entertained do yeah. through music, uh, through, you know, talk programs and uh so many. I love so many of your collaborations. Um, thank you. I I put down some of my favorites. Um what's going on you combined some of your animation with the audio and the video so now you're adding adding animation so yeah. wow that's so cool so so how did you get into animation is that <laughs> always done <laughs> no actually um i always so it wasn't till after high school because the high school i went to didn't offer art or music so it was high school was horrible. It was an all boys school, no art or music. And um, it was it, you know, I don't know, probably the closest thing to a Turkish prison for me. You know, it was like <laughs> uh, actually oh. the only creative class was English. You could actually be creative with writing. And actually that kind of parlayed into uh, a different aspect of my career at, at one point when I was asked to write articles and then books and things like that. But anyway, that's a whole side story. Um, animation didn't take place. I went to an art school. I went to the Hartford Art School, graduated from there with the BFA, but that was in 89. And we didn't have the internet as we know it. We didn't have computers. Like we didn't have phones, you know, like we had phones, but we didn't have cell phones. Um, we had phones that were, you know, attached to the wall with a, you know, six foot cord. You couldn't walk anywhere that far. Um, so I had a tough time for several years after college and it wasn't until uh, the band I was in, my guitarist had uh, her, his girlfriend told me about a friend of hers that was working on a new animated TV show that was on Comedy Central at the, uh, yeah, Comedy Central at the time. And I had seen previews for it on TV. And I said, wait, 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 
it's being produced where? She said, well, Watertown, which is, you know, right outside of Boston. And, um, and I thought that's crazy. That's the show that television show is being produced here. She's like, yeah. So Monday morning, I looked up uh, the company that was actually doing the show. And I just drove there unannounced, walked in with my portfolio, dropped it off. And I said, I'll be back Friday to pick it up. <laughs> I had to like dust it off because it had been sitting in my closet for years. At that point, I kind of gave up on having a career in art I because I, I was an illustrator. And um, I, I mean, what am I going to do? Write children's books? Maybe. I don't know. I, I didn't know where I could get a job to do that. So I didn't think anyone really needed art. And then I found out years later, everybody needs art, especially when the internet exploded. But yep. I went back to get on that Friday, I went back to get my portfolio and the woman behind the counter, the front desk stopped me. She said, hold on. And she called down to the art director for the show, Dr. Katz, which was the show they were making. Um, and Annette Kate came upstairs and met me, brought me downstairs, showed me around. Long story short, again, a month later, I got, uh, they called me because uh, Steven Spielberg had noticed Dr. Katz and asked that company if they would do a pilot for his new company, which was DreamWorks at the time. So I went from working at my father's restaurant and I was a mechanic at a car dealership. I was doing everything but to being asked to work on something that Steven Spielberg was going to someday see, right? That was, that's how lucky I got. So uh -huh. I, of course I said, yes. And I said, but you know, the thing is, I don't, this is an animated pilot we're doing. I don't know. I've never animated. And they were all paperless. They were working on, on computers and there were these little DOS based computers. This is before windows 95. Right. Yep. And um, they had tablets where they're drawing with the stylus and, uh, and they had avid workstations where they were doing all the video editing. And I just kind of learned, rolled up my sleeve. I say yes to everything. And I figured, all right, let's figure this out. Um, and I did. I spent six uh, years there. Yeah. yeah. Say yes to everything. You know, show up, have your portfolio, walk in, take yeah. a chance. Yeah. It's just like a gig where you don't even know the band or the set list. All right, I'll do it. Yeah. You you know? Jump in there. Half of life is showing up. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, we. I spent six years there. We did the pilot. We did uh, another show called Home Movies that was on Cartoon Network for for you for a few years. I did a ton of stuff. I that's where actually so that's where that so not Windows ninety five rolls out. DOS is going away, and I had kind of made it. I, I got into the whole technical side, the software side of Photoshop and Illustrator, and they said, "Hey, listen, research and find us a new animation software for the company." And so I found what was called Flash at the time. And it was vector-based, scalable. It was just different, cool. Let's use it for television. And we figured it out and then we started using it. But then I discovered that there's a whole website of things. So this is 1999, 2000. And the internet is like literally exploding with all this animated content interactivity because it had its own action script programming language. Not that I was good at coding, but uh, regardless, it was as soon as I discovered that I could make drawings come to life. It was like, oh, uh, the universe opened up, right? And so I got into that like hardcore. And then I kind of became almost like the poster child for Flash where I was being asked to speak at conferences and I was going to San Francisco, going to Texas, going to- um, For Adobe, right? Yeah, well, eventually Adobe bought the company that made Flash. The company was called Macromedia. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was part of the community, still am. 
Um, I mean, I was, I got sent to like London, Brighton beach, uh, so where else? Cool. Amsterdam. I spoke at a conference in Amsterdam once and it was all just, to, I, there's like flying me around the world to talk about how, you know, I made a silly elephant run across the screen or a pig flying in the so sky. It makes people happy. Yeah. It's so cool. So it was, it was crazy. So I basically learned like just rolling up your sleeves and just learning on, on the fly, you know, figuring it out. And the same, the same thing with music. Um, when we were talking earlier about the collaborations from the uh, 17 musicians, I know you did a couple of more where we, we did that one with 13 bassists. Oh my God. That was so Very cool. cool. <laughs> yeah. Nick, that was Nick so definitely, good. Definitely spawned that one. And, uh, and from that, you did this really cool video. It was, uh, I think it was like a hundred drummers. It oh was, yeah global army video mm -hmm. that was really cool that was I, fun i love the the drum community uh i i feel that in the bass community too i think it's so cool there's so much support for each other and what we're doing and and like you said earlier uh you know watching what different people do there's always something to learn there's always a new song you yeah know, to check out uh it keeps you inspired and you know who knows what this year is going to be like you know I, yeah I imagine there'll be some type of, uh, you know, internet music collaborations this year and less gigs. Who knows? You know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe music won't be excluded from everyday life as it was at the beginning. People, right. it's kind of in between. We shall see. You know, the cool, fun thing about that drum army thing was, you know, that was just a loop that I wrote that you know whatever the bpm was and i just how i sent it out and what was fascinating was how every single one of those drummers i think that i forget how many we had but <laughs> something but every every single one changed the feel of that same loop they all had their unique feel it's like any musician playing any instrument it's it's what each one the basic brought, they all brought something unique to that one track. And that was the most interesting part of that experiment of, of making that video. Uh, and it's funny because when I first put it out there uh, as an idea on social media, the first 20 or 30 people were all guys, mm -hmm. all male drummers. And I thought, I don't want this to be a big sausage fest drumming <laughs> thing, you know? And so I started to specifically find women. I want this to be equal, at least, you know, a 50, 50, come on. And I did, I found as you know, as you've seen the video, a lot of um, yes. women drummers who were just, they were phenomenal. So it, that it was great. Yeah, it was really good. And also some people with disabilities. I remember that one guy. Oh, he was amazing. Yeah. Daniel. Daniel. I think that's what his name. I forget his name. Oh, my God. I'm spacing it. But yeah, right. He has no arms, which I mean, amazing. And he's a great drummer. He, he's got such a great feel. Yeah. So inspiring. Yeah. So what's coming up for you? Any new projects on the horizon? Well, it's, you know, not musically, nothing really. I mean, I've started so many projects um, like original. I really wanted to do more original, you know, music. I did some because um, I have so many musical ideas that I never get a chance to do. And then what happened was this summer hit. Um, and you are a gigging machine. It was bananas. Talk about that. All the yeah. bands you play in and the Boston Naturals. I see you all over. Yeah. There. Oh, what a fun band. 
Thank you. Yeah, so, we so fun band. We were playing, I mean, almost all summer, uh, like four gigs a weekend, starting on Thursday nights. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not too bad, not, not too bad. shabby. Um, but also I found from a lot of drummers, I heard that a lot or a lot of bands that they lost their drummers this year um, because because I think, you know, with, uh, you know, whatever, what was it, 16 or 18 month layoff, it's like you know, you stop midway. If you're running a marathon, it's so much harder to get going again. I think a lot of musicians either, you know, took the pandemic to reflect and decide I'm done. Uh, but yeah, I knew, I know a lot of bands that just were, you know, at the beginning of the summer, like I need a drummer for this and this and this and this. So any night I had free, I was filling it up. Um, On top of playing with the Boston naturals. Wow. Yeah. Which is already a busy, busy band. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but Did you that, that less animation and illustration? No, because <laughs> no, because I I work full time for a company where that's what I'm doing is visual storytelling. So I'm doing a lot of animated video type stuff, uh, and a lot of side projects too. I take on for clients as well. So um, there's no shortage of of animation work. This it's constant. That's another big thing. So it's funny with you know. Throughout my life, I figured I'll try to do art and music and whichever one takes off is the one I'll just keep doing. And they both have been neck and neck all my life. So I'm not complaining because I get to do everything I love to do. And it's so. great. And it can be done, you know, for people who are coming up now trying to find their way and like what exactly their strengths are. There's ways to do it. There's there's a market for it. And it's fun. Like you can. Yeah enjoy what you do. It can be a creative path and it can also be, you, you can also, you know, make a living at it too. Yeah. You if you're lucky, like I got lucky, but, five, you know? but again, I said yes to it. You know, I, I took a chance. I, I challenged myself and I just said yeah. yes. Um, and I got lucky. I got, I mean, again, like my career has just been a series of lefts and rights and, and that I just either I chose to take or, someone convinced me or led me in a way or whatever, or it was just a random guess. And I, I've been lucky throughout all of it. Well, it, it's, it's so important to follow your path and listen to your intuition. Well, Chris, this has been a joy. It's so great to meet you. We have been doing some creative things uh, through, yes. through the computer as well. And I can't wait to get on a gig together and hang oh. out you know, bass night or mm -hmm. uh, local musician gatherings. But thank you so much again for coming on Earth Tones. It's been so great having you. Oh, I've loved being here. It was great talking to you. Thank you, Chris Georginis. And thank you for tuning into Earth Tones. This is Allison Keslow. See you next week. Goodbye.